0: I'm Jeff Gibson.
1: And I'm Shanna Paxton.
0: And we are the, the Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome
1: Hello. to the
0: official podcast of the Gibson Review. Each week, we share our weekend review, move on to the main event, which is either a topic of discussion or a review for the episode. Then we wrap up with Film Faves, our respective lists of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic, usually marching through time. But since this is the beginning of a new year, it's time...
1: Happy New Year's!
0: ...to review 2017. So that will be our main event. We'll be going through a series of subjects regarding the year in movies, and then we will be sharing our favorite movies of the year. It's very exciting, but first, let's take a step back. And discuss our week in review. Shanna what have you been watching?
1: I have been watching The Magicians. Now let me talk to you about this TV show if you don't know what it is. It is available on Netflix. It is a sci-fi original TV show and it is based on a novel by Lev Grossman and It is a fantastic show. A friend of mine, a dear friend, Linda, described it as Harry Potter for adults. And it is very adult. You know, every time Logan walks into the room, I tell him you can't be here because this is inappropriate for you.
0: Logan being our son.
1: Yes. Now, the interesting thing about this TV show is its its first season was in 2015. And it had one of those finale episodes where it was just shocking and you didn't know what was going to happen next and just, you know, really thrilling. And then I went online to see when Season 2 was coming and I discovered Season 2 was only coming in 2018. What? Yes. Now, I've gone onto Wikipedia since, you know, re-watching and it looks like they you know, managed to get the schedule further back. So they actually released season two in 2017. But the first season was still in 2015. So people had to wait two years. And this isn't like HBO's Game of Thrones or Westworld, where they really have to take their time with effects and all that jazz.
0: Or even, uh, usually this happens in British shows too, where a season will come out and it'll take some time before another Mm -hmm season comes out, as I understand it.
1: I guess, you know, I don't know the reason. Perhaps it was to see how people would like it, if they would like it. There are some problems I have with the show, but there's a lot of things that I love about the show. So, to the point, uh, season two became available on Netflix, and it had been so freaking long that I had to rewatch Season 1 in order to keep up with Season 2.
0: Oh, so you'd seen Season 1 sometime in the distant past?
1: Yes. Oh. I believe it actually was around <laughs> the time it got released, because I remember watching it on cable.
0: Okay, I thought this was a recent discovery of yours.
1: Well, this I guess it's important to say what it's about. It's not about your ordinary magician with a top hat. In fact, this is really about witches, but they've gone ahead and not use that word and the magicians are actually witches and then if you're being called a witch you're someone who is looked down upon your magic isn't as great as the magician level so it's very interesting how that word has so much power and is people are so scared of using it this is particularly about the main character Quentin Coldwater who gets accepted to a school of magic and he has to figure out how his favorite childhood storybooks are actually linked to what is happening in his life right now. Of course, I don't want to give away any spoilers because it's really nice to go in fresh. I keep thinking I know what's going on and then something else will happen. Oh, so okay. it's, it's really great. The only problem I have with the show is the one main character, Julia. She has that glazed look, kind of like Kristen Stewart in Twilight. All the fucking time. It's only in season two that I think it's started to change. And, I mean, really, if you want to piss me off, give me the Kristen Stewart Twilight look.
0: So she's the weakest part of the, of the series.
1: The problem is she actually has a wonderful arc of empowerment. Hmm. So her character is fantastic. It's just this bloody woman's face that irritates me. It's like <laughs> okay. a resting, resting Kristen Stewart Twilight face.
0: Okay. So uh, otherwise you recommend the series?
1: Absolutely, and it's fun to binge on it too, so okay, for all the bingers out there, go for it.
0: All right, well, that's The Magicians on Netflix, and did you have anything else you saw this week?
1: I have also been catching up on My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Most people think that this is going to be cutesy and tea party and cakes and it's not. It's not what My Little Pony used to be. This series is now on, I believe, season seven or eight. It just got uploaded to Netflix. And this show keeps building upon the different characters and okay. keeps bringing, you know, at a good pace, keeps bringing in background characters for their stories. So everything is really purposefully created in this TV show. You know, it's not just for children. Me and my stepson thoroughly enjoy watching it together, but I often watch it without him as well. There is always a story about friendship, and it's always about how you can build upon your relationships with, other, with others, and how everything stems to needing a friend in a very easy, communicative way. Oh, and also how to deal with like, conflict that you have with your friends.
0: Very cool, yeah, I've seen a little bit of it myself, and it's definitely, uh, usually uh, those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s were very precious about our properties, so if there's something that's being rebooted, remade, or whatever, there can be a a, a certain degree of side-eye and skepticism and defensiveness against it, but I would say this is definitely a property that is a huge improvement on the original uh, property, so... And that's available on Netflix, right?
1: Oh, yeah. And it's up to date. Everything's there. And I also want to point out, I think the only thing that people get upset about, you know, people that grew up with, you know, what you're talking about, is the shape of the ponies that have changed. Mm. And that's just, you know, it's just how cartoons have changed over the years.
0: Well, the style of animation. Yeah,
1: it's very angular now and there's no curviness of any Mm. kind.
0: Yeah, well, definitely it's something that you can get past. Uh, you can when get you used to. It. Consider the substance.
1: Yeah.
0: Very cool. All right, that's a uh, My Little Pony. Uh, Friendship is magic.
1: It's all about magic this week for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true. So I once again I haven't really watched much. I've just been catching up on late night shows and stuff. So I don't have much to talk about. Uh, but we have watched a couple things together. Yes. And the first thing I want to talk about is we caught up on a blind spot of, of mine especially. I know you haven't seen it either, but I've seen a, a, a lot of films. A lot of films from every decade and from different countries and stuff. But there's uh, some films that are blind spots for me. And this one was Umbrellas of Sherborg. That's as good as I can pronounce right now. Yeah, I
1: can't help you,
0: there. I used to, I, used to um, I think it was Sherborg. Then I saw the film, and I realized, no, like, the G is silent. Uh, (laughs) But it's by Jacques Demy, and it's a musical. And it's a musical that I heard a lot about, especially when La La Lange came up, Uh, as though, like, it was this really hugely influential thing. And so uh, we checked it out together. I figured, it's a musical. You might like it. I was really surprised by it. I didn't know much about it going in, so it was pretty fresh for me. I had, you know, podcasts I listened to have talked about it before, but I really didn't remember much about those conversations. And so it was not at all what I expected. It's definitely, for me, one of those movies that, from a historical, uh, from a film history perspective, I can appreciate. Because apparently, like, you know, this was the first film to do the whole opera thing, and, and, you know, make it a, a, a pop musical opera, and I didn't realize necessarily that it was opera, I'm not a big fan of opera, that style, I mean, I've seen, I think Evita was the first film I saw in this style, and then there's Les Mis, it's always one of those styles where, once I start to realize that's what the, a movie's gonna be, I'm kinda like, oh no, because, <laughs> for some reason, just that style just doesn't appeal to me, I, I, I kind of like Avita. I kind of like Lemes despite the styles. So, but anyway, with the umbrellas of Cherbourg, Cherbourg, I also, you know, I can appreciate it for what it was at the time. You know, this kind of thing that everybody thought Jacques Demy was crazy for wanting to do. And Catherine Deneuve, who plays the lead, is fine in it. Oh, she, you know, it's Catherine Deneuve. She's a great actress. Um, I, I, I really liked her in Belle de and I've seen her in one or two other things since. But ultimately, like, I wasn't really taken with the movie. The story... Oh, you were not? No, the story was, okay. you know, it was okay. It was basically, for those who don't know, it's about two young lovers in France. And at the time, it's like in the 50, late 50s or mid-late 50s, France... When France is battling Algeria, and so there's the Battle of Algiers. If you've seen that movie, the Battle of Algiers, you know the context. And the male, he's faced with having to get drafted and go off to battle, and she, uh, she has pressure from her mom to stay and help run her shop, and you know, not really get into anything serious at her age. She's eighteen and stuff. But they do get. I thought
1: she was sixteen.
0: Whatever, she's a teenager and at any rate I mean, they a big difference you know between
1: those two years but okay
0: they do get serious they they even get pregnant and he's off to war and it's about you know he's gone for most of the movie she's dealing with the pregnancy while also dealing with her mom pressuring her to to consider being with another guy and what happens and so forth
1: Worst mother ever.
0: What did you think of the film?
1: <sighs> well I thoroughly enjoyed the cinematography. I mean, if you are someone who loves patterns, color relationships, color symbolism, 1950s color palettes, this is such a treat to watch. I have never seen pink get used like that, and it was mm. very appealing. I have a hard time with pink. Mm. I think fashion designers would like this as well mm. because of the that rich palette and texture. So... You know, in that sense, the set design and coloring, I I thoroughly enjoyed that. Mm. Now, the film itself was, uh, um, I don't mind the singing. Mm. It it didn't really irritate me. And I thought it was fascinating watching a French musical like that. Yeah. Because French is so sing-songy to begin with. Mm. And then to put it in that context to, you know, an English person's ear is is very fun. Mm. Now, the story, yeah, you know, me being who I am, I had lots of problems with it personally, objectively. I, there wasn't a lot there. It was a very simple idea, and they mm. were just, they were, they were enjoying the, the making of it.
0: Yeah, now, you mentioned the music, and, and really briefly, that's another thing. You watch Evita or a Les Mis, and there are songs that, just mentioned in the movies, I remember that stand out to me. Mm. In this movie, I don't remember a single song. None of them... There was no, like, numbers that that really stood out that you could even, it it seemed to me, take out of the movie and sing, you know? Or hum, or or whatever, you know? Well, I
1: think that's because I don't think that that was their goal. I Mm. think their goal was just to sing the whole dialogue. Mm. So, therefore, you can't take a snippet out anywhere, because it just is one long number.
0: Well, at the same time... You know, we saw, a, we, we saw a Criterion Edition, so it had special features. And one of the features was with the musician, the guy who composed it. And he did explain, like, there's there's themes to each character. Mm. They do have their own themes yeah. and stuff. And, you know, he could play it and you can remember, oh, okay, yeah, that was their theme and stuff. But it just wasn't something that, even even with each character's theme, it wasn't something that really stood out to me. You know? And also, really interestingly... Mm-hmm. Now, the mix was different from what I'm used to, where the background music was sort of deep background from what I'm used to. You know, I'm used to like, you know, horns rising and it being kind of like, it's in your face, Very so speak, right? You know, whereas this is like, it, it felt low, mm. it, you know, it felt low in its expression. No, not the expression, the, um, the volume, so to speak. You know, it was kind of like... It was almost a football field away from where the characters were. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was really surprised by that mix, too. But anyway, do you have anything else you want to share about the film?
1: I think this was a really subtle film in every sense. I mean, there were no big expressions happening. And it's like you said, there were no, like, trumpets or horns. It's all very low-key, you're right, I agree with that. It's not very exciting. It's very hmm. monotone. There, even when something sad is happening, it's not this huge drop into sadness. And when something happy happens, there isn't this high feeling.
0: Hmm. It's
1: all very neutral and it doesn't make you feel like you're on a ride.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate Like La La Land, Land
1: does. Yeah, yeah. Lots of other musicals do.
0: It, it, it doesn't have high highs, low lows. It's very much, you know, the, the ebb and flow is very small, you yeah. know, up and down. It, I wouldn't classify it as monotone per se. That's, that's a, <laughs> a, a straight line. But, but I get what you mean. It doesn't, it's not what we're used to with musical, where like the musical numbers are big and loud, you know, when they're in love and they're happy, you know, or when they're really sad, it's really like pulling out the strings or anything. Well,
1: and I'm not saying it's, it's just limited, you know, there's lots of ways they could have amped that Mm. with just the music, or yeah. just the acting, or just the coloring. Yeah. Maybe the coloring is supposed to speak for it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, there's. Def- uh, you are right about the coloring. The set design, the costume design, all that's uh, really great. And I do appreciate it for its craft. It's just not something that spoke to me. So that's that's the umbrellas of Sherberg. Sherbourg I should say.
1: <laughs> well, and if you were ever uh, wondering, I think there's an interesting scale that can be made take any Bollywood film and have that uh. on one side, and then you'll have The Umbrellas of Chabot on the other side of the scale. Yeah. <laughs> and like The middle is maybe La La Land or Fiddle on the Roof or something.
0: Yeah, I suppose. At any rate, that's The Umbrellas of Chabot, and we also saw this year, <laughs> trying to catch up on this year's movies ended up being a much bigger challenge than we expected. And one of the movies we did get to catch up with was... Mark Webb's latest film, Gifted, starring Chris Evans, Octavia Spencer and a couple other people whose whose names escape me right now. But uh, this is a film that is about a young girl that Chris Evans uh, is it's his niece. He's his uncle. He's looking after and raising this child. She ends up being super smart, kind of this prodigy sort of thing, and he's trying to protect her. And everybody else, his actually his mom, her grandma steps into the picture, wants to take her away and, and you know, take her to uh, smart schools <laughs> essentially and, and uh, try Plus, to nurture not her. Even
1: smart schools, smart universities. She doesn't even right. want to, she doesn't want this child to have any kind of childhood.
0: Right. She, she, she thinks she's above normal. Uh, average childhood upbringing and really has this potential of greatness. That's basically the, the plot synopsis of the film, this conflict between uh, Chris Evans and his mom with the child in the middle. What did you think of Gifted? And uh, are you familiar with Mark Webb's other movies, 500 Days of Summer and the Spider-Man films, and how does this compare?
1: Oh, well, now that you mention that, I prefer 500 Days of Summer, but this was quite an interesting film. Well, it's not even interesting. It was, it was a fun film. It was like your, oh, I'd like to have a drama for summer, and this is the summer drama, like a light drama, yeah. I'd say. There wasn't anything really extreme happening here. It was very fairly logical how things were unfolding, which makes sense because that's kind of the brains you were dealing with, the characters you were dealing with. There wasn't a lot of emotion or anything like that. And it was an interesting idea. I feel, but I mean, it wasn't like out of this park amazing. Yeah, Chris Evans is great dad porn. There's something awesome about a man with muscles and a chin like that that wants to protect a young child. It's very sexy. That's about. That's about the most exciting part. It's the, woman's primal instinct thing happening.
0: <laughs> well, to be fair, you do see him in a lot of tight t-shirts. So I can I can understand that. You know, I thought this movie was fine. Mm-hmm. I thought Mark Webb has had a, an odd career where he kind of started out with, this, with 500 Days of Summer, which is one of the most amazing love stories I, I've seen in the past 20 years. And then he went on into franchise filmmaking with like the worst Spider-Man films uh, to date and now he's back to quieter quieter films and this film was it was all right you know it was good it's uh I don't think it necessarily balanced the two perspectives I think like the audience is really like on the side of Chris Evans the entire time and and then it kind of tips even more in his favor uh toward the end but I think, I think you're right. It has some interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, just, I just wish that it gave us a little bit more balance between those perspectives.
1: I think they were expecting us to fill in the gaps with the mother, the grandmother character. I mean, here's a woman who didn't get to live out her dream and now is living it through her child and our granddaughter. I mean, it's like your stereotypical tiara mom yeah. who did well and is trying to force her daughter to do well. Except, what would that look like if it was about math?
0: Right. You know? (laughs) And with a British mom. So, and the only other thing that's starting to really bug me is I I haven't seen Hidden Figures yet, which is a major... I don't know how that... Yeah,
1: you're an idiot. I
0: don't know how that happened, but I still haven't seen that. But Octavia Spencer, to me, at this point, this is like five years after The Help, six years after The Help, Mm. she, she seems to be typecast in in these supporting black women with an attitude roles and she gets a moment I think in this it's movie
1: confidence actually
0: okay well it's also like the same note okay. in every movie All right. and i'm kind of disappointed by that because you know she's been acting for, for years we've only really been aware of her for uh, as as you know the pop culture and general public has only been aware of her for the past several years And I I just feel like she's capable of more than the token black woman with an attitude.
1: I can see where you're coming from. I I admit I thoroughly love seeing her with her confidence. Mm. I think her character is going to be somewhat the same in that The Shape of Water? Yeah, The Shape of Water. I'm worried
0: about that. Guillermo
1: del Toro had said he wrote it for her.
0: Oh. Well, in the one clip we get in the trailer of her is like, girl, dum, 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 dum. Oh, but
1: I love that. You know? <laughs>
0: it's just like... <laughs>
1: it's like my favorite. <laughs> you know,
0: she does it well, but...
1: But you're right. It would also be nice to see her as the main character.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, she is the main role. Right. I don't think there is, is one. Is
0: that not the case with Hidden Figures?
1: She is... No. Okay. She is not the main... Actress.
0: Oh, okay. No. Okay. I mean
1: I didn't interpret it that way.
0: I haven't seen it. I assume the three of them are the main, so they got equal swing time. But anyway, that that's
1: yeah.
0: So that's gifted, starring Chris Evans, uh, directed by Mark Webb. And you know, if you want like Shanna said, a light drama, check it out. Uh,
1: father porn. Oh or yeah. that too. <laughs> by all means. So bland. So, we also watched Get Out Together. Oh! Yeah. Okay. We watched that last night to start the new year. So go ahead. Share your thoughts. Oh, my God. Well, I was on the edge of my seat, like, I don't know, three minutes in? Was it five minutes? It might have been two. I don't know. But, like, it's a psychological thriller. And I know Jeff spoke about this a couple episodes ago.
0: Oh, it would have been, like, several episodes. Like, one of the first couple episodes if I talked about it.
1: But I was absolutely terrified of watching this movie because sometimes you can just tell... Oh, this is not gonna... It's not a feel-good movie. It's not. And, um, it's not. But at the same time, the ending pays off, and I think that everybody should watch this film and go ahead and go in fresh.
0: Very cool. Yeah, so we might talk a little bit more about Get Out later. Speaking of which, it's time for our main event.
1: Woohoo!
0: Which is 2017 in Review. Now, there's a few things that we're going to talk about here. We have several categories that I, I broke down things and, and shared with Shanna, and we both have our own picks for respective categories. But first, let's take a look at uh, the year. Shanna, the year's box office, top box office movies from, five, from 10 to 6 were Justice League, Logan, Despicable Me 3, Thor Ragnarok and It. Can you guess what the top five highest grossing movies were?
1: I believe Wonder Woman was first.
0: That's number three.
1: Oh. Well, shit. Okay. That
0: that made uh, 412.5 million.
1: But it made the most in summer, right?
0: Yeah, it was, yeah.
1: So that means Star Wars is first.
0: Star Wars is first. (laughs) Yeah, Star Wars is the number one highest grossing movie (laughs) of the year (laughs) at $531 million. Uh, Can you guess the other three? That's
1: half a billion, right? It is. It's over half a billion. Oh my god, that's exciting.
0: Yeah, just in two weeks.
1: Okay, so that leaves us with three others. Hmm. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Did they fall? That was number four. Okay, cool.
0: With $389 million.
1: Did Coco make it?
0: No, not even oh, close. Oh,
1: that's so unfortunate.
0: Not even in the top ten oh. at
1: all. Oh, does that mean, like, something crappy made it? Is there an animated film in there?
0: Nope.
1: Oh, well, good. Okay. Actually,
0: the I mentioned the one animated film. Mm-hmm. The highest grossing animated film of the year was Despicable Me 3. It's
1: very unfortunate.
0: It is. Uh, $264 million. It's very surprising. People aren't tired of it yet.
1: Well, gosh, uh, I guess that leaves us with two more? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm.
0: The number two spot was the most successful movie during the first half of the year.
1: You know I'm going to give up, otherwise I'm just going to waste time, so yeah. who have we got left?
0: So Spider-Man Homecoming was number five oh. at $334 million. Well, good for them. Then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, then Wonder Woman. And then num- the second highest grossing film was Beauty and the Beast oh. at, fa- at $504 million, followed by Star Wars Last Jedi, which in two weeks mm-hmm. surpassed Beauty and the Beast, Thank God. By thirty million dollars. <laughs> I'm not better so, about
1: Beauty and the Beast at all. <laughs> I swear. It's <laughs> so, all right.
0: So that gives you a little bit of a, a snapshot of of the year.
1: How interesting.
0: But we have a few categories that I thought yes. we would go through and, and share our picks. First of all, the first category, just kind of ease this in, is a little bit of a silly category. I noticed. Going through my list of all the movies I've seen this year, which, by the way, numbers in somewhere around 50 movies, that there's a lot of movies that start with the letter B. Just happenstance, the title, starts with the letter B. So, this includes, like, Blade Runner, Baby Driver, Battle of the Sexes, Band-Aid, Beauty and the Beast, (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of them. Beatrice at dinner. So our first category is Best B-Movie. So Shanna, what is your pick for the Best B-Movie?
1: My B-Movie is Band-Aid, starring Zoe Lister-Jones and Adam Potty. This is possibly one of my favorite couple films. I felt not only does this film deal with real-life challenges that couples face, none of this stupid shit, like Romeo and Juliet, but keeps them together. It keeps the couple together once. You just
0: really... dissed. of <laughs> the classic love stories <laughs> of all time. Oh,
1: my God. I'm really not interested in that shit. Like, look, I was so obsessed with that when I was 16, uh-huh. you know, because that's what you get obsessed with when you're 16. Then you, like, start living life. And dealing with real shitty problems.
0: It's funny, because 16-year-olds these days, well, at least five years ago, they, they don't get obsessed with Romeo and Juliet, they get obsessed with Twilight. That's you, you a whole bunch leapt, of shit, too. You just flipped all over that and <laughs> went 500 years in the past to Romeo and Juliet.
1: Anyway, okay. back to the point, though. I love that they're dealing, in this Band-Aid movie, I love that they're dealing with real-life challenges, and, you know, they're not, the story doesn't rip the couple apart, it keeps the couple together. And that's not a spoiler, I feel. Um, <laughs> you don't seem so sure. I could have fucked it up. I don't know. Once they realize how the two of them need to heal, uh, once they realize that they're just they're fighting so much and what they need to do is heal by themselves and then come together and kind of make humor, love about it through singing and making their own band. I mean... Let's be honest, that's real shit. Once a couple realizes, you know what, we're broken, I'm broken, and then the other one says, I'm broken too, Uh, let's try and heal, oh, let's try this, that's real life. My favorite part of that film, though, is when the mother is talking to the son, Ah. and gives him a little bit of enlightenment of, you know, this is what your wife is probably feeling, and... Let's be honest, husbands don't usually know, and so it's such an education as well, I feel. So that's my B movie.
0: That is an excellent pick. Uh, my best B movie is Blade Runner 2049, which is huge achievement. The original film is a benchmark in sci-fi, one of the most influential sci-fi films visually. It's got great themes about what makes us human and... Has one of the best death scenes in film history. Yet this film was even better. More engaging, more fascinating, more complex. Kept up that visual intrigue and, and dazzling. It is got great cinematography by Roger Deakins. The direction by Denis Villeneuve, who always has just an awesome way of storytelling. He's the director of Arrival and God I love that movie. Yeah, and Sicario, which is also a great film. The score surprisingly by Hans Zimmer and a very Johan Johansson, very much style. It's very very cool score. I think it's all just really great. A great film and I j- I could not believe how overlooked this uh this film actually ended up being. You know, it, it did all right, but it actually, like, didn't do that great, considering. And it's well deserving of attention. But that's that's my pick for the best B movie. Hmm. Shanna. It's a good pick. What is your pick for best superhero movie? We had several superhero movies come out this year. Marvel Alone had three, I think. DC had two... What is your pick?
1: My favorite superhero film of the year was Logan. You know, I wanted to say Wonder Woman, but the thing is, I feel like people have been waiting for a movie of Wolverine of this caliber just as long as they've been waiting for Wonder Woman. And quite frankly, like, we got it. We got the Logan we were looking for. It's gritty, it's real, there's pain, there's exhaustion. We never get to see a hero or someone with special abilities at this age, at this phase of their life. So I really appreciate this film.
0: Yeah, and it is definitely a slightly better film than Wonder Woman, as as much as awesome as Wonder Woman is. So that's a a really good pick. For me, it's also Logan. I concur uh, completely (laughs) with that, actually. It's gritty. It's, you know, I mean, James Mangold, he did The Wolverine, which was a sequel to a really shitty Wolverine movie. Mm. You know, this is a, his first time dabbling in superhero movies. And, you know, it was decent. You know, it was two-thirds of a good film, and then it dabbled into comic book superhero camp in the last third. And he didn't have to come back. You know, he could have kept doing his own thing. You know, this is the director of Walk the Line, Identity, you know, Girl Interrupted. He could have just gone back to his um, area of drama. But instead he came up with a really great idea of uh, let's do a film where Wolverine is old as fuck and he has to road trip it with a with a feral child you know
1: who's like pre-puberty or has just hit puberty really if you think about yeah, it. Yeah,
0: she's definitely like 12 or something. Yeah. I okay, guess um, so she's
1: hit puberty. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she's yeah. And and has to protect this child and there's some, there's some great like parental themes in it. There's you know, it's a kind of a dystopian future where the X-Men have died years, years ago, and, and yet there's all, and it leaves room for hope. And I really wish they would f- make a follow-up film from this film. I, I, I don't know that they are, but I got really excited about seeing what would happen next after this film. So, yeah, it's, it's a great film, great pick. What about animated movie? What is your pick for best animated movie? Animation <laughs> genre is always really interesting. You have your, your movies that are just made to babysit the kids. You have some really great high-end films. And then you have stuff in the middle. Uh, or you have stuff on the bottom of the barrel that's total crap. Where do you fall this year?
1: I think there was a lot of crap this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Didn't Cars come out this year as well, or was that last, the previous year?
0: No, you're right. Actually, Cars 3 did come Mm -hmm. out, yeah. which there we go. (laughs) We didn't see, (laughs) but supposedly it's better than the last Cars (laughs) movie.
1: God, I'm so not even interested in, like, a debate about it. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know, I, I felt like there wasn't much to choose from. However, I thoroughly enjoyed Coco. Pixar's 2017 film this was not only a feast for the eyes which you guys by now know that's what I'm after most of the time but what's really awesome about this film is that it's about healing a family's past you know you've got uh, a generational ban of music happening with the main character Miguel I guess it's about four generations worth of music being banned and he is done, He this is a kid that music is in his veins, in his being, in every cell of his body, and he's determined to, to get a blessing for participating in music from, you know, the other side of where all our ancestors are, we think it's the land of the dead, but I feel like that's wrong, and anyway, you know, not only does this film celebrate Day of the Dead, but it also reminds us of how important family is and how important it is to heal and you know on a lighter note also to hear both sides of a story uh, it'll save you so much time and pain. I love this film I cried through most of it but it wasn't like a sad cry it was like a cleansing cry (laughs) so uh, I highly recommend that film for anyone and A Box of Tissues.
0: Yeah that's also my pick as well I think I agree with you that it is, by a landslide, the best animated film this year. Granted, we haven't seen Cars 3, but I have... they don't have to. I I am not a fan of the Cars world building. I, I think it's terrible. I also haven't heard anything glowing about Cars 3 saying, oh my god, they really outdone themselves, or anything like that, right?
1: <laughs> Better than the first! <laughs>
0: right, and no no other, I mean, like, you know, The Nut Job 2, Rock Dog, oh none of those are, god. you know, that kind of material. Yeah. So, but this movie, within the first 20 minutes, it get choked up, you know, and and I think about three different times in the film, I, I was touched nearly to tears. It's a beautiful story, I... And it's a movie that, for whatever reason, it didn't interest me that much. I wasn't that excited about it. I think
1: you're just so weird sometimes.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes a trailer just doesn't excite me or interest Mm. me. And that was the case with this one. And yet, it ended up being a beautiful story. A beautifully told story. Beautiful music as well.
1: Oh, fantastic. So,
0: I'm on the same page with you there. But I think we're going to divert once again... With our next category, what is the movie that they didn't get? One movie that you champion that, for whatever reason, the rest of the world, or a majority of the world, just wasn't a big fan of, that you feel is just completely misunderstood.
1: I think, for me, that was The Bad Batch, which is available to watch on Netflix. This is a dystopian setting. That's the way I like certain films. I felt like the way they built the world was very interesting and how they built the characters was intriguing as well. On one side, you have the normal civil society that you don't catch a glimpse of. And on the other, you have what is the Bad Batch? You know, We don't get to see the normal side. We only get to see what the dystopian side looks like. And I feel like that's a really good move. We are living in a society where, where things are pretty normal, as is. So seeing something where the only society in the particular movie that we get to see is cannibalism, a fight to live, drug parties. I didn't see a lot of children running around. But, you know, there's also, there's even a cult. And in this cult, he has, this male character has about five wives, I guess. And all of them are pregnant, wearing white, and carrying What are those guns called? Like machine guns? No. Yeah. So they look freaking killer kick-ass, you know, (laughs) as weird as they might be. But just there's lots of visual interesting things happening. And there's lots of interesting character things happening. Mm. And I thought the performances were really good, really solid as well. I mean, there's two main two very famous actors in there that I didn't even recognize. It took me a little while. And one I didn't recognize till after you told me that's who it was. So I feel like people just didn't get this film or just didn't give it a chance.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so we definitely divert there because I, I thought that film was surprisingly bland given the gonzo concept that it is. Uh, for me, there's really... This was a tough category for me because there really isn't a lot of movies where... I was not on the same page with the general consensus, especially in terms of, like, positivity. The closest pick I could come up with was The Hitman's Bodyguard. Now, not a movie that I would champion as one of the best movies of the year or feel greatly passionate about and defend strongly, but while it is, you know... Fairly forgettable and fairly formulaic to a degree. I thought it was perfectly fine and fun and I didn't have... I didn't regret going and seeing it. You know, I thought the two leads definitely delivered on their promise. Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson. With their chemistry, I thought worked exactly how you expected it to and was, was a lot of fun. So... Hey, man's bodyguard kind of got a bad rap. uh, It's really not that bad a movie.
1: I I agree with your pick, yeah.
0: So, now, I think we come back together with our pick of the movie that we didn't get.
1: Okay. I did not get Beauty and the Beast. Okay? Mm -hmm. I'm so... uh, That is available to stream on Netflix if you wish to partake. I am so incredibly pissed about that film. I'm so angry. Oh, my God. So, I love the animation to no end from 1991. Just so much magic in that film. So much magic. So much. So I'm thinking, okay, well, let's see what's going to happen now. And nothing fucking happened. Nothing magical. There was no fucking magic in this fucking film. I'm so angry. I'm sorry this doesn't usually happen to me. But, you know, here's the problem, okay? What, you know, calmly speaking maybe the animation set my expectations too high i don't know i wanted more more than this provincial fucking movie and it's it just didn't catch me it didn't hold me it didn't make me feel safe it didn't make me feel like everything and anything was possible and the character's voices were awful Hmm. they were just awful i don't understand and the character's faces you know except for the human faces and it just made me incredibly sad and i've I I believe I have spoken that I have seen the Broadway musical as well. And quite frankly, the Broadway musical was was much better than this piece of crap that they threw at us. And Emma Watson, this is not a personal attack on you. I love you to pieces. I think you did just fine. But this movie was a bad fucking idea.
0: Okay, so we share this pick. However, you feel much more strongly than I anticipated.
1: I yeah, don't know no. where that came from. I mean
0: this is this is a movie that everybody loved and everybody threw their threw their money at. I am so pissed
1: it's number two for grossing.
0: And and yes. And yeah, it just didn't work. It fell flat for me. Don't get me wrong, I love Emma Watson. I thought she did great. I thought that there was no better casting than Emma Watson in this role. And Luke Evans, a guy I'm not usually very fond of. I think he's very bland as an actor. I thought he actually stood out in this movie as Gaston, which is actually a character that is, I feel, kind of hard to live up to in terms of everything that is brought to that character in the animated original. But there, I mean... They took a ninety-minute movie and added f- thirty-five minutes more or forty minutes more with an unnecessary backstory about Belle's, uh, Belle's mom and. Oh
1: uh, yeah.
0: And uh, the the musical performances just didn't quite work as well. I you know be our guest is a showstopper and it just didn't
1: uh.
0: <laughs> it just didn't land like the original did. Everything about it. I think they even changed Gaston's demise. I, yeah, this film just did not work for me. It was, it is just outside my list of the worst movies of the year.
1: Hmm.
0: So, what is your biggest surprise of the year?
1: My biggest surprise of the year was Wonder Woman. I thought it was going to be a complete botch up. I thought people were going to mess it up, especially given the history of what's happened for the past few years with DC films maybe the past decade even i mean superman has not done well although batman's done well with christopher nolan (laughs) so i I really thought that it was it was going to be terrible but man they surprised the hell out of me it was fantastic and we've spoken i've spoken at great length of how awesome this film is so i'm just gonna i'm gonna go ahead and stop there
0: yeah, so the biggest surprise for me this year, the movie that I didn't have the highest expectations for, but really exceeded my expectations, was Split. That's a movie that I, I, I came to kind of reluctantly because I was beyond done with M. Night Shyamalan and his nonsense, Uh, The guy, (laughs) I mean, he had been over a decade just going downhill, straight downhill, straight down the toilet. But uh, he came back with uh, this film. I haven't, uh, I'll be honest, apparently he made a movie called The Visit that was actually pretty good. I haven't seen that. I barely even knew it existed. But Split blew my mind. And the reason why is it has a final ten seconds that reframes the entire film. It makes you relook at the entire... And it makes the, the, the movie retroactively become a completely different movie. Which is incredible. I was absolutely raving and flipping out after I saw this movie. And I'm still reluctant to go into detail because I still think... Even though it's been six months and it's probably been all over the internet... It's still too soon to to spoil uh, what goes on. So if you haven't seen this movie, you gotta check it out. That was my biggest surprise for sure. James McAvoy uh, did a great performance, multi character performance. It's very intense. It's it's very cool. And I were
1: you were not excited for the trailer?
0: No, yeah. I was. Well, I mean, you know, I thought, okay, whatever. Yeah. No. But anyway, yeah, so Split, what is the biggest disappointment for for you this year, the movie you were really looking forward to, you had high hopes for, and it all came crashing <laughs> down as you watched the movie?
1: You know, it was Free Fire. I, oh. I really, I love Sholto Copley, he's South African, and in this film, he, he gets to be a South African. Some of his lines were really great, and his uh, mannerisms and the things that are specific to the male culture in South Africa was all really great but this film was so confusing so slapped together it was like somebody was like you know what I really love heist films I love heist films I love this heist from this film I love this part from this heist film I'm gonna slap it all together and make my own it really was a hodgepodge of shit so yeah that was the biggest disappointment I was really looking forward to that and really it was just disappointing so that's all I have to say about that I guess
0: for me, it was Justice League. Now, even though... <laughs> this, is, this is the second time. This, oh, man, I'm a glutton for punishment. Last year, Batman v. Superman, <laughs> Dawn of Justice, ended up being the biggest disappointment for, for me. It was the biggest piece of rubbish I have seen in a long time. And yet, even after watching that, and even after watching Suicide Squad... I was really hoping that maybe they'd bring it all together and, and, you know, get their shit together for this movie. And it just didn't work. It just did not work. It was, you have a terrible villain, you have plot points that just either don't make sense or are extremely flawed. You have a couple highlights, it's not a completely shitty movie, but it really did not come close to what it should be as a, a superhero team movie, as something that the franchise is, is working towards. This is supposed to be the benchmark for this franchise, and it, it just missed the mark in almost every way. Wonder Woman, still fantastic. Loved Aquaman. Really enjoyed the flash, but those are very minor highlights. Yeah. It was it was hugely disappointing film. Hmm. Um oh and the CGI. I mean come on, it's just awful. So, Justice League. Before I forget, what do you feel is the most overlooked movie of the year? Movie that you would champion everybody to see that really didn't get seen much.
1: I would champion for personal shopper. I know I bashed Kristen Stewart earlier, but that was really Twilight I I was bashing. Kristen Stewart plays a personal shopper in Paris. How fun. So there we go, <laughs> fashion designers and fashionistas. <laughs> go for that part too. She, however, loses her twin brother, and I know that twins have a very strong bond, and I can only imagine that that would just feel so god-awful. But she's also a psychic. I mean, not a psychic, a medium. So not only is she this personal shopper, but she's also a uh, fucking (laughs) medium. She's a medium. So she's trying to make contact with her brother, but things get complicated and convoluted, not from a filmmaking standpoint, but for her. And so it becomes this very interesting ghost story. So go check that one out.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent pick. And that's one that I actually talked you into watching and checking out. Because Kristen Stewart, man, the past few years, she has been on fire, particularly in the indie film scene. She's really making some really great work. And uh, that's that's another one that uh, she should be proud of, for sure. For me, I would champion Band-Aid as the most underseen movie. Now, this thing... Yeah, I, I had to choose this thing because I think it made only, like, a cup, a few hundred thousand dollars. Ugh. Okay. This thing, like, my second choice was going to be Colossal. But Colossal got more money, <laughs> which <laughs> means more tickets were sold mm-hmm. than with Band-Aid. And I think, like, even, like, when you break down the uh, sales per theater or something like that, like, Band-Aid is completely overlooked. This movie, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I think it is the best love story of the year. Yeah. It has the most to say ab- about marriage and, and love and relationships. Plus, it's got some damn good songs in it.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good.
0: It is, for me, one of three films I've seen... That are directorial debuts writer director debuts that are fantastic that I would even count among the best movies of the year just so much confidence so such so well handled great performances by Zoe Adam and a good lending hand by Fred Armison who plays a neighbor yes. who you know he was
1: great
0: yeah he doesn't try stealing the show he adds a A great touch of humor, but also was a little bit of layer to him. I think this is the movie that everybody needs to see that they didn't see. So, definitely seek out Band-Aid. Now, to wrap this up, we have two more categories. What is the worst movie of the year?
1: I believe that the worst movie of the year for me is The Circle. Ah. which is available to stream on prime should you desire to see it what a fucking waste of talents and a waste of what could be phenomenal commentary on society today on digital on sharing on spine on (laughs) just they could have they could have said so much but but you know what they did they didn't say anything really they didn't do much at all Instead, it was, let's put all this talent together, established and -and up-and-coming talent, and make it look like a high-tech company of the age that we're living in right now with a huge, devious agenda, and one person's going to throw it over. I feel like that's what they did. Honestly, I would rather watch Nerve again, because I feel like Nerve did a better job Uh. at this sort of concept, Maybe they just took off a bit of too much than they could chew. I don't know. Maybe they had too many ideas and everything just fell apart. But, wow, what a shit movie. And that's really sad because that's the second negative thing I've had. And it's got Emma Watson and I still love her. Uh, moving on.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that just uh, fell outside. That was definitely, like, one of the worst movies of the year. Worse than Justice League. A huge. I mean, it had a lot of great talent. Emma Watson is great. She's never the problem. Honestly, yeah. uh, it is an adaptation of a of a novel, and I've never read the novel, but I would guess it's a poor adaptation of this novel. Hmm. That explains well, it. I think I don't know if we reviewed it in in an episode of the movie lovers. I feel like we might have in one of our first episodes. You could go back and check it out, but it's a, um, yeah, not not good. So that's a really good good pick. However, for me. There was a lot of shit, especially when you take into consideration how many comedies there were this year that were just awful. And in our previous episode we talked about Woodshock, which is <laughs> really 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 bad.
1: Mm. But my
0: pick for the worst movie of the year is Ghost in the Shell.
1: Oh, that's a great choice. Yeah. yeah good Directed
0: job. Good job. by Rupert Everett, the director of Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh. Yeah. That should have
1: been a son
0: of. Yeah, starring Scarlett Johansson in this film that is an adaptation of an anime film, one of the classic anime and greatest anime ever made. There is so many issues with this movie, from whitewashing and race bending, to just absolutely draining the story of all of its all of its meat. Everything that made it great, all the philosophizing, it's given, like, sound bites. This thing just scrapes the surface. It's beautiful to look at. So, you know, screen grab as your screensaver. But that's about all it's good for. This thing is a total piece of shit. I think, if I remember correctly... I actually saw people walking out of this movie when I watched it alone in the theater. And I was tempted as well, but man, it was, it was terrible. I would not blame anime fans for being wary of any other anime being adapted by Hollywood in the live action because they screwed the pooch big time here. Alright love, what is your pick for the best movie of the year? Oh. I should caveat this by pointing out there are several movies we have yet to see. Alright, so take this with a grain of salt. We have yet to see the following films primarily because they just are not available for us to see at all. And those films are The Shape of Water, Call Me By Your Name, The Darkest Hour, The Disaster Artist, The Florida Project, Molly's Game, The Post, and I, Tonya. Those were all movies that we really tried hard to be able to cram in, but just they did not expand into our area. So we were not really able to see it. And uh, I think Darkest Hour was the only one that, like, and Disaster Artist, that schedules conflicted we weren't able to catch. So knowing that we haven't seen those movies, and maybe that'll change by the time this airs. Maybe it'll change by the time I've even posted my article of the best and worst of the year, which I hope to have posted Mm -hmm. by the time you were able to hear this all that said what is currently your pick for the best movie of the year
1: my best movie of the year is ladybird mm. now first off there's this principle i believe that any art making and in this case filmmaking has a duty to communicate what a majority of people experience or an and are unable to communicate themselves. So I feel like a film needs to be saying something that hasn't been said but is experienced. And that's what this film does. It shows us what it's like being a girl. There are so many freaking things I could re- I could relate to in this. I mean, if, if I could, probably what I'll do when this film gets released on DVD is I'll, you know, go and buy it. But break down all the experiences that get touched on not only from the daughter's side, but the mother's side as well. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to check off how many I can actually physically relate to because I feel like that's so important. There's so much truth in this film because of that, and I feel like we need we need more of those. We need, like, ten of those a year. I mean, that would be a good start, don't you think?
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's actually the second of three movies that I was referring to before that were writer-director debuts. Mm. And just absolutely fantastic. Uh, That and Band-Aid are great movies. Great debut films.
1: If those women could continue making films like this, I would be a very happy person.
0: Oh, we should be so lucky. That would be amazing. Mm -hmm. My pick for the best movie of the year is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. This is a very complex film that... It has, of course, first of all, goes without saying, great performances. Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell, and Woody Harrelson, all great. Sam Rockwell actually surprises me in this movie. The movie actually surprises me in in every direction that it takes. I think I've got my finger on this movie and what it is, and then it takes a turn on me, and it goes in a different direction. Not that it's full of twists and turns and all that sort of stuff. It's just... It, the characters don't behave in formulaic ways. They behave as people would behave in situations like we find ourselves in in this film. And it is an extraordinary. This film touches on sexual assault in a year that is all about sexual assault and hashtag Me Too and women's rights. But it touches on a lot of social and topical themes. And this is a movie that is about a mom who's had enough of no one caring about what happened to her daughter, as brutal and grisly as it was, and she's, she's doing something about it, you know? The equivalent of, of someone doing hashtag me too and starting a whole viral trend is what this woman does in, in her own small town way. I think this is Martin McDonough's best film. It's a lot different than any of his other films. If you saw Seven Psychopaths, it's sure as hell a lot different than that movie. But it's one of the best scripts, one of the most well written movies of the year. Right now, having not seen those other movies I mentioned previously, that is hands down gotta take the gold in every awards show, as far as I'm concerned. So, those are our picks. Taking a look at the year in review. What are your thoughts? Uh, go ahead and share your picks for these categories at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Let's move on to film faves. Now, really briefly, film faves is a segment that was inspired by a segment on the blog where I would count down 12 favorite movies from a particular year or theme. This episode, we're talking about our favorite movies of 2017, since it's our 2017 in review. Not only is this going to give you an idea of our tastes in films, but hopefully it'll touch on some films that were overlooked uh, that you might have missed this year. You can check out. To that end, we'll also point you in the direction of where some of these movies may be streaming, so you can catch them on such platforms as Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and HBO Now. Shanna, tell us a little bit about your list and your number 12 pick.
1: So I thought that this was a fantastic year of strong female characters, strong female directors, and that's kind of what's ruling my list right now, as well as a sprinkling of fun. So my number 12 is Blade Runner. What an artwork in this modern age, and how lovely that we now have these two pieces, the first one in the sequel, to compare the technology of visual effects and styles. I think the most beautiful part of this film, cinematography-wise, was how they made light move in the sort of, it looked like a pyramid, but I don't think that's what it actually was, you know, the sort of evil there, uh, in this film, <laughs> and that's really butchering the description, but wow. Such a stunning lighting effect. Mm. And I, I thought it was a great story and it keeps me guessing and I, I, I thought I knew what was going on and, until I didn't. And that's always very exciting.
0: Awesome, awesome. Uh, my number 12, uh, I mentioned in the previous segment, it is Split, which is available on HBO now. So you can definitely run and, and check that out. Do I have more to say about this? It's it's one of those... Oh, I will say, don't go in knowing anything about it. As much as you can. Just go. Just it's, go uh, it you. is... Yeah, there are a handful of movies that came out in 2017, I'll say, that are really best going in fresh. And I feel like Split's one of them. Uh, knowing just what the trailer told you, which is, guy with split personality kidnaps girls. Boom. That's all you need to know. Go. It, it it's very well performed. I know the lead female actress, <laughs> the lead actress, got a lot of praise. I think her name's Anya Taylor Joy, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she's she's uh, pretty darn good in it. Uh, you know, she's kind of one of those uh, smart final girls, so to speak. You know, in that that horror genre trope, kind of the Sydney Prescott of today, so to speak.
1: Oh, good comparison. Except I feel she's better than that.
0: Yeah, probably, probably. Uh, But yeah, it's just... uh, McAvoy, just... He's doing... God, he's
1: amazing. Just
0: acting gymnastics in this (sighs) movie. He's he's fantastic. Do I really need to say more about this movie? Mm -hmm. Go check it out. HBO Now.
1: My number 11 is The Big Sick. And that's available on Prime. And Jeff introduced this film to me. And it's based on a true story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really fun. And... Don't really do research on it. Just go watch it. It's also a romance film, really. But it's also about family culture, history, clashing. So that's a really... That's a good theme this year as well. Family expectations, hmm. uh, family healing that's needed, family hmm. acceptance, tolerance. Families need to treat each other better <laughs> and go with it <laughs> and evolve with the children. So,
0: Well, I guess going along with that theme would be my number 11, which is Coco. Uh, oh great!
1: That's which that's is
0: all about family really being controlling over your destiny, you know. Because they 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 the entire family is into shoes. They make shoes, and you have some other passion, particularly if it's regarding music. No, you have to literally fit into the shoebox, so uh-huh. to speak. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's but it's about more than that. It's about forgiveness. It's about remembering, making sure we're remembered when we're gone by those who mean the most to us in our lives. I mean, that, that, that's a very primal thing, being remembered, wanting to be remembered. I think that's one of the reasons why it was such a touching film. And it really it hits on that very early on in the movie in, in some ways. Its theme song, for crying out loud, is called Remember Me. Beautiful song. Beautiful film. Wasn't one of my favorite Pixar movies of all time, but it was enough to make it on my list.
1: My number 10 is Get Out, which is available to stream on HBO. And, you know, if something's going to make me that tense, it's, it's pretty good. And it had, you know, they did a good job on commenting on a few things that's happening in society right now and they did it with a twist and don't look up what that twist is i'm warning you just go into it and watch it and the performances as well were just were just astonishing and the cinematography was good the set design was good i don't have any complaints about this film at all and i think everybody should watch this film and it's one of those films that you could totally do a film study about
0: that's some high praise for get out right there but well-deserved. My number 10 is Personal Shopper.
1: I feel like this is a
0: movie that really needs repeat viewing. Yeah. You know? Like, I really feel like the the more you watch it, the more you'll appreciate it. You know? Uh, and, I, and actually, it's been long enough that I really feel like it's it's worth a revisit at this point. But Kristen Stewart... Here's someone who I didn't have a whole lot to think about in the past. I mean, for a while, she made one good movie. Adventureland? Yeah. I, I used to be able to say, well, <laughs> she was all right in Adventureland. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and she was. But then you'd go to Twilight. But since then, since she broke free of that franchise, she's had Camp X-Ray, she's had the, the Clouds of Sills, Maria, and she was in
1: certain women
0: certain women which we talked about uh, earlier this year and reviewed and now now personal shopper she's on a roll she really is and i i feel like she's one of the most exciting actresses you know staying mostly in the indie film world right now she i think is allowing her to make some really interesting creative choices And this film is by no means an exception to that. You know, you you had said that you really wanted to see a ghost story with Casey Affleck. And I feel like from what I know about that movie and having seen this movie, these two movies, not only would they make an interesting double feature, but they're an interesting take on a ghost movie, you know? They're very different from what you're used to. I would say with Personal Shopper, it's like almost like a ghost subplot. It's so like not as overtly a part of the story as what you might be used to going into a ghost movie. you know but it is it's a great film. I, I think it's one of the movies that more people need to check out. And I think more people need to appreciate Kristen Stewart and get over the whole Twilight thing. I got over it so everybody else should be able to do.
1: Sometimes I feel like I'm not over it. I, I go back and forth. So I understand if people are doing that. It's not her fault. It's it's Twilight's fault. So my number nine is Raw, and that's available to stream on Netflix. This was a surprise for me. This was very interesting. This was very original. I'm not going to reveal anything about this film. Just go and watch it. You know, I'll, I will say it was a very interesting sister movie. Sister-sister yeah. movie. That was very interesting. And also... You know, with regards to family, you know, what you thought your family was, what you thought your parents were, not. and I mean, when you're 18, they're not actually what you think they are. And that's just something that everybody learns when they reach that stage. There's no way of really learning that until you hit certain life experiences. But that film does a, a very interesting interpretation of that theme.
0: And that's a really great pick. Uh, also, a really... Fascinating writer director debut, too.
1: Oh wow! Right, that's cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Go back and check out our episode where we review Raw. So that that's an awesome. I'm glad that that ended up in your your list of favorites for the year. Uh, just outside my pick of the best of of the year, even my number nine is Spider Man Homecoming. Probably the best Spider Man movie since Spider Man Two which I recently did, I think, like, a double feature of those two movies uh, to compare. And I still can't land it on Spider-Man 2 still being the best Spider-Man movie to date, mostly because there's a lot more going on in that movie. You know, on one hand, it's, it's, a, it's an action film, and on the other hand, there's some very real, like, human drama going on in it, and, and you know, also comedy and all sorts of things. This movie, it's a, it's a superhero film, but it's a really well done superhero film, and it's a Spider-Man movie, but it's one of the best done Spider-Man movies because you have a different take on Spider-Man that many fans would argue is the closest take to what's on the page. You know, he's a, he's, he's a teenager, and he's actually cast with a teenage actor, and he's freaking agile, but he's also really funny. He's got a sense of humor, you know? And it's a really funny movie. And Michael Keaton it makes for a, a villain that borders on standard villain but has just enough else going on with the whole like, you know, blue collar aspect of him and then the reveal we get halfway through the movie about his character that I won't spoil. It's uh, it's a really it's a really solid film. And um, I couldn't help but land just inside my top ten at number nine.
1: My number eight is Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which is available to stream on Netflix. This was so much fun. It was just pure entertainment and enjoyment. And, of course, you all know my favorite line is, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Oh, yeah. Uh, Because how can I not love that? And, I mean the the color palette was fantastic the special effects were great i just love their interpretation of space how it's this popping colorful sparkly place and if you look at star wars it's a very it's actually a very dull space mm. you know the planets are interesting but space itself is very dull mm. and and cold so
0: yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing their next adventure in Infinity War when they get to meet everybody else in the Marvel Universe. For me, number eight is Baby Driver. This is Edgar Wright's latest film. I think it's his best film since Scott Pilgrim vs. the World.
1: Oh, really?
0: It's really been a while since it. we've seen Edgar Wright. His last movie was At World's End, which I... Ended up kind of being lukewarm, too. This is uh, Edgar Wright once again breaking away from the, the British comedy, breaking away from his pal Simon Pegg and, and Nick Frost, and doing something completely different. And I actually love it when Edgar Wright does something completely different. It worked out really well with uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and it works out really well here, where this is basically a bank robbery film that isn't so much about the bank robbery. It isn't so much about the robbers. It's really more about the guy who drives the getaway car.
1: Which who who we always overlook.
0: Right, right. And in this case, it's a teenager, I believe he's a teenager, who is kind of stuck in this situation, and he dreams of kind of getting away and, you know, being with the dream girl and all all that sort of stuff. Uh, But this thing has an awesome killer soundtrack, you know, which serves a plot purpose. The guy has a, a humming eardrum, and so he plays the music to drown it out. He also uses the music to time his getaways. Oh, that's pretty really fun. And the jobs and everything.
1: Mm-hmm. It's brilliant.
0: It's awesome. It's exciting. It's fun. I mean, I we should just watch this after. We're I was done gonna say, right? can
1: we go watch it after? It's this? really cool. <laughs> I was
0: actually, I was actually disappointed that you didn't uh, go with me when, or when I saw it because it's it's a lot of fun. It's really cool.
1: Well, we'll watch that after this. My number seven is Logan, available on HBO. And I've already spoken about this film, so I'm not going to waste any time. But just know that this is totally worth watching. And no, your children cannot watch it. It's the same level as Deadpool. Oh.
0: You know, if that makes
1: sense for you, you know that's you. You wouldn't subject your child to Deadpool if you're a good parent, (laughs) Um, and you would not do that for for Logan. our son really wanted to see this one. Right. And, you know, we, we sat him down and we said, look, at first we thought maybe, and we were ho- very hopeful.
0: You thought maybe. <laughs> I mean, I did. I did. Because oh, yeah.
1: I think on some level I don't fully comprehend who Logan becomes, you know, mm. in his old age. Just absolutely shocking the first few minutes. Mm. <laughs> and and it's, it feels great.
0: My number seven is Blade Runner 2049. I spoke about this film in the previous segment. Just absolutely stunning film. Great female characters, I think. Actually, that's something that I talked about in our review that I forgot about. I love the actresses in this film. I love their performances in this film. I think they're actually some of the most fascinating aspects of this film. It's just... I cannot get over how visually stunning this this film is. And I really... Look forward to seeing uh, this film again. And Ryan Gosling, I mean, he's, he's practically in, in, in drive mode. If you've seen that film from 2011 by Nicholas wendon Reffin, you know what I'm talking about. He's not terribly far off from that character in, in this film, in, in his performance. And that's, that was a great performance, too. Yeah, Blade Runner 2049, I think people will be talking about this film or in, a, it should be, in a positive light, for years to come. This is a magnificent film. Denis Villeneuve has yet to do any
1: wrong. And number six is Coco. <laughs> this is not available to stream yet, goddammit, and it's not available to buy yet either. It's still in the cinema, so that's good. I've, I've spoken at length about this film. I think Jeff has good points. I think I mentioned really great things previously, but, you know, just following with that theme of family and... I think this might be one of my most favorite male character animations. I I think there's something very strong about Miguel. I think his determination and his love for what he's passionate about is very important for us all to consider.
0: Very cool. My number six is The Big Sick, which is available on Amazon Prime. This became, not only was this the best-reviewed film of the summer, but this became my most anticipated film after a certain extent. It took us a little while to get around to it, unfortunately.
1: Totally worth watching. <laughs>
0: yeah, it absolutely is. Hilarious and touching film. You, Shanna's right about the different the family expectations and clashes you know it, it it reminds me of bend it like beckham in the sense that Ooh, like
1: good comparison or even
0: bride and prejudice yes. you know in the sense that the family is always trying to lay these expectations on the child the grown-up child you know set, setting up in a certain direction oh,
1: what's that other film where it's first generation american and the parents are just heartbroken with what their indian child is doing and then he ends up marrying someone Oh the namesake. Yes. Isn't that a good comparison Mm. too?
0: Yeah. Coincidentally all these are like, you know, (laughs) Middle Eastern and Asian uh sure if you
1: put South African then it would be interesting too. We're just not there yet.
0: At any rate, you have that going on. You also have you know the the clash between the boyfriend and the girlfriend's parents Played beautifully, by the way, by Ray Romano and, and Holly Hunter. I mean, you know, Holly oh, Hunter. I love
1: Holly Hunter. She's always... Gotta always love her.
0: ...brings her A-game, you know? I mean, she can outact a lot of people <laughs> in, in a movie. Wouldn't it be
1: but... cool to see her and Meryl Streep in a movie? Oh, oh that would be such a powerhouse. That
0: would be amazing. Jeez. But, yeah, she's great in this film, and it takes some interesting turns. It is semi-autobiographical, written by the existing couple... Camillo Nanniciani, um, who's the star of the film, and his real life wife. They wrote the script based on their experience.
1: What a fun project!
0: Yeah, yeah. It's not strictly autobiographical, uh, uh, but it is inspired by their events, and it's a beautiful story. And it's just—I seriously—it's just edged out by Band Aid in my mind, in terms of best rom rom com or best uh, love story of the year. But you can find it on Prime. Don't take our word for it. Check it out.
1: My number five is Three Billboards.
0: Oh, wow, really?
1: Yeah. What a ride. This is one of the most exciting films. This is one of the most thrilling films and satisfying films without having the conclusion you would hope for at the end of the film that I have seen this year. And what a fantastic female character... She, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know, but I might be this mom. Oh, boy. You know, if, if something like that happened to my child. I mm. mean, you never know who you're going to be. Mm. If something as traumatic, when something as traumatic as that happens to your offspring, mm. especially if you're a woman. I know it's different for men. I'm not saying it's yeah, yeah, lesser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for women, it's different. I mean, you carried that thing before it breathed air, you know, for nine months. And I just, I feel like you never know who you're going to become if someone fucks with your child, no matter what side of the scale it is. And that movie does a great job asking you those questions.
0: Hmm. My number five is Logan. And you're right, right out of the gate with this film. It makes it very clear what kind of movie this is. <laughs> this is a very bloody, very gritty film. It's what every Wolverine fan has dreamed of. is basically Wolverine being able to do the thing he does best, which is not very nice.
1: Yeah, he's no Captain America.
0: (laughs) No, definitely not. But he's also, he's old, he's tired, he's, he's, you know, seen enough, and... He's so sick. Let's just say this is Hugh Jackman's last performance, and he goes out... On such a high note, I mean, thank performance goodness.
1: Performance as Wolverine.
0: Yeah, his last performance as Wolverine. Sorry, and he goes out in such a high note. I mean, imagine if his last performance was X Men Origins Wolverine. No. I mean, that couldn't have been any further on the end of the spectrum here. And I'm so glad he got to uh, perform Wolverine in this way. Daphne Keene is a revelation. As the feral child named Lauren.
1: I look forward to more of her.
0: I, I, you know, again, I hope to see more of her, but really, she does some incredible uh, action choreography, yet, I mean, like, she has the best angry face ever, <laughs> you know? But yeah, there, this, is, this is a really well-scripted film. It's one of the best X-Men movies ever made. Some could claim it as the best X-Men movie ever made. I wouldn't be angry about that, because it's a great film, just as a film. So, yeah, it's it's my number five, and you can find it on HBO now.
1: My number four is Band-Aid, and I That's did... my number four! What? That's so crazy! <laughs> We're so cool. We haven't
0: done that in a long time.
1: <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> I'm glad we got one that, right. is, that worked. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've talked about it already. We've reviewed it. It's, mm-hmm. it's like the mm-hmm. best... Most realistic. It's another example of a truth film.
0: You know, but I really like Zoe Lister-Jones in this movie. Not only do I like her a lot as a writer and a director, but I really like her as an actress uh, in this film. And I really want to see more of her in the future. I, I know she's been acting for some time, and I don't know, I, I think... You've seen a movie or two of hers. I don't think I really have. But I really I really like her in this. And Adam Pally, he's a guy who I don't see much since Happy Endings ended. And
1: he, oh, that was him? Oh my god. Yeah, he
0: was in it. And, you know, he's a completely different character in yeah. this movie. But he's also really good. And I'd like to see him get more work along this line, if possible. I could see, there's several indie directors I could see him working really well with. Michael Showalter or, or the Duplass brothers or something like that, you know? Anyway, he's he's really good too. So like and again the soundtrack, like I don't know if there is a soundtrack, but it it's it's worth looking at looking up and, and downloading or something. I, I I thought it was really surprising because sometimes things like that, you know, like, you know, maybe they're good at story writing but not so great at the songwriting, you know? <laughs> but it's actually, it was pretty catchy, and, and it fits certain moods really well.
1: Well, and oh. it felt realistic. Like,
0: yeah, you yeah, know, when I'm
1: making like, up words. Like, That's like being angry
0: awesome. at the dishes not being done or whatever, you know? That's so real. Yeah.
1: That's
0: so true. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> awesome. So then what's your number three?
1: My number three is Wonder Woman.
0: Oh, really? That's your number three? That is very surprising.
1: <laughs> well, it makes you wonder what's number two and number one. Yes, it does. <laughs> And again, I've, I've spoken about this at length. Well, we
0: reviewed it a few yeah. episodes back.
1: So go ahead and check that out. Uh, what is your number three? Okay, all
0: right. <laughs> uh, my number three is Thor of which, you know, when I talk about That's movies that are one. the biggest surprises of the year, I did have a, several films that I didn't have the highest expectations for or weren't really excited about. For whatever reason, this was one of those movies where I really just... You know, of all the Marvel movies that were coming out this year, this one was the one I was least interested in. But it ended up being the the best one and the, my my favorite by far. It was it was hilarious. It was breath of fresh it was very air. Good, yeah. It was brilliant. Taika Waititi is a great director of, of comedy. We we've we're big fans of what we did in the shadow what we do in the shadows and a hunt for the wilder people. Mm. And this is a completely Large. different area yeah. for him. You know, this is huge, big-budget action-adventure fantasy. <laughs> and he, he he nails it, man. He nailed this film. It's brilliant. It's so funny and so clever. And it, it, it goes in some very interesting and surprising directions. And it leads right into Infinity War. So that's exciting.
1: It is exciting. Yeah. That was on my list, and then I had to bump it out for something else. But wow.
0: I might Bumped like it out for get out, huh? <laughs> yeah, I
1: think so. <laughs> and like change the chain. I think I might like that one more than Guardians. Oh, if I the rethinking two. your list now. Eh? Yeah, well, there we go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's your number two?
1: My number two is Ladybird.
0: Oh, really? Okay, yeah. wow, okay. Yeah.
1: You know, again, I've spoken about it, not only in this episode, but also I think the previous episode we spoke about it. It was
0: in our week in review.
1: Yeah. And I don't think there's anything else I can say about it other than I want more films about women and their life like Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. what I want. Because I want to be able to not only heal myself through Mm seeing something like this, but like... What a gift is this film (laughs) if you have a daughter and, you know, she's asked you the big question, you know, when should I have sex? Mm -hmm. You get to watch this film with her and it's fucking realistic. You can tell her, hey, this was this girl's experience and then you can build upon that this was my experience Mm. and chances are, you know, I don't have a real statistic for you but I'm just going to go with my gut. I mean, four out of... Five women will experience something like this. You know, something that they can relate to on that. I mean, I, I feel like you could really have a discussion with your daughter mm. or, or your sister.
0: Yeah, no, we definitely need more Greta Gerwig films for sure and, and more people like her making films. I cannot believe this, but Wonder Woman ranked <laughs> higher on my list than yours. It was my second favorite movie of the year, I in terms of favorite movies, I always think what gave me the best experience in a the theater. What movie do I can I not wait to see again, or gave me like the big thrills, you know, while watching the film? And Wonder Woman definitely was one of those. Sure, it has its flaws. It's not. I am not going to say it is one of the greatest films of all time, but it is also far from mediocre. Yeah, I mean this is a really damn good movie, you know? It's just not it's not flawless. But it it far exceeded my expectations. I mean, it it is in that it it met my hopes. Right? I have said, I think in the review of Wonder Woman, I talked about how I am a Wonder Woman fan and I have a certain expectation of who Wonder Woman is, you know, and how she has different sides to her personality. And I was honestly a little skeptical if the woman from the Fast and Furious franchise was able to capture this character. And she did as close as I can imagine, and now she is one of the feminist icons of the decade. Patty Jenkins, the director of this film, the director of Monster, nailed it. How can you not be thrilled while watching this movie? How can you not be thrilled by watching the No Man's Land sequence? I mean, oh God, seriously, that's, that's, so that's good. one of the best sequences of the decade, in especially in the superhero genre. Yeah, I absolutely love this film, and uh, I'm so glad it exists. It was a breath of fresh air in the DC murk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that we've been G- getting. It gives us
1: all hope. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, this is basically DC's Marvel film.
1: My number one is Star Wars The Lost Jedi.
0: As is mine.
1: Because how can it not be, right? T- well, <laughs>
0: apparently, there's a few thousand fans that would argue <laughs> that it shouldn't be.
1: They can just shut the fuck up.
0: They, they can, because you know what? Okay. We can take solace in knowing that they are less than 1%
1: of everybody
0: who went and saw this movie in the entire world.
1: My brother's one of them. Well, <laughs> I thought I'd just throw that in there that the 1% could belong to someone closest to you. It's <laughs> Do true. a little PSA.
0: I wasn't going to burn bridges, <laughs> I wasn't going to start a family fight.
1: But, you know, you just spoke about like what. You know, film in this in the theater gave you the biggest high, the biggest thrill. I yeah. mean, this is it. We've seen yeah. it three times. Yeah. In in the cinema, and it's I don't mind going to go see it again. Honestly, <laughs> I really don't mind. Cinematography was fantastic. We've spoken at length about this film. I loved Ray. I I even loved Laura Dern. Fuck y'all if you didn't like her. But you know, well you're she, a big
0: you're a big fan of Laura I Dern.
1: am yeah. I am I'm not I'm not gonna like. Not not share that bias, but what she did was amazing.
0: Yeah. So fight I,
1: sequences were yeah. amazing. Oh my God, the color symbolism was amazing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, very exciting.
0: Yeah, you know, and I've never—I don't think I've ever seen a movie three times in the movie theater before. Oh, this is the first time not? for me, and every single time, oh. I still get a thrill out of certain sequences. Yeah. You know. This film is all about upending expectations. This Mm -hmm. film, like Luke literally says, this is not going to go how you think. And he's just not talking to another character. He's talking to all the fans out there who spent the past couple years speculating about every question that The Force Awakens posed. And this film answers all of those questions in very unexpected ways. Or deals with those questions in very unexpected ways. And it's also the most complicated Star Wars film, maybe in the history of the franchise.
1: Oh yeah, I agree with that. It's not a simple story. It's it's not it's not a little bit complicated. It's it's pretty lot. It, it you does have to keep lot. up with it.
0: You have a skeletal story, but there's a lot that goes around that skeletal story, you know? Mm-hmm. And it reframes some things or reshapes some things or asks different questions. That uh, it'll be interesting to see how the next film deals with and resolves things.
1: When is that coming? Uh,
0: I think 2019.
1: Ah. So it's, it's the same sort of structure as the previous.
0: Yeah, I think we're getting the solo film ah, next. And okay. then I think it's
1: episode, episode nine. nine
0: if I'm not mistaken.
1: What happens after so, that? Do you
0: know? Well, there's going to be other spin-off movies, and then Ryan Johnson got greenlit whatever the hell he wants for three movies. Oh, my
1: so, God.
0: And it's not going what to be... What
1: will he give us?
0: Yeah, it's not going to be the Skywalker saga. That's <laughs> no. promised. So anyway, so those are our favorite movies of 2017. Hopefully, it gave you some surprises, some new stuff to check out. What are your favorite movies of 2017? Please let us know at thegibsonreview at gmail.com That's going to do it for us in this episode of The Movie Lovers. Shanna, where can people find you on the internet? You
1: can find me at shannapaxton.com That's S-H-A-N-N-A-P-A-X-T-O-N And over there, you will find me on all the different social media channels that I am on. Instagram is my favorite uh, channel. So if you want to... You know, connect. That's a great way to do it.
0: So, if you go to thegibsonreview.com, pretty soon you will find an article of my best and worst picks for the year. Uh, five worst films, ten best films of the year. And also go to uh, the Gibson Review on Facebook. You'll find third-party links, um, links to the past episodes, And um, other tidbits, movie-related tidbits on there. Go to iTunes to find past episodes or SoundCloud, whichever you prefer. Leave us a review, please. We definitely really are highly appreciative of those reviews.
1: With constructive criticism.
0: Well, if you have anything to criticize at all. And I don't know how you could. But...
1: Our our sound um, is pretty bad. We'll get better.
0: Also, you can find me at the Flick Chart under the Gibson Ninety Nine, where we can compare movie lists. All right, so this is closing the book on the year twenty seventeen. Next episode of the Movie Lovers, we look forward twenty eighteen. Look at what movies are coming out this year that we are most looking forward to, and I think we might finally get back to our March through time with two thousand three movies. That's going to do it for us with the movie lovers. This is Jeff and Shanna saying keep loving the movies.
1: Bye bye.